Welcome to Outside the 9 to 5. I don't know what that just was, but this is Kevin Hartnett. And I'm Colton Richards. And you're listening to the Outside the 9 to 5 podcast. A show where we discuss the challenges we face on a day-to-day basis with our careers, relationships, and fitness and nutrition. We'd like to keep it light as we discuss some of the life battles we, and I'm sure some of you, deal with on a daily basis. So sit down, strap in, and enjoy the ride. Kevin Hartnott, Colin Richards, tippy top of the morning to you, bro. Good morning. How you feeling over there? Feeling pumped up. (laughs) We just hit the gym for a bro sesh. Ah, dude. We were there for 45 minutes, and I already thought I was starting to lose it. Oh, my gosh. The people watching in LA Fitness is absolutely ludicrous, by the way. I mean, I spent half my time looking at what other people are doing. Yeah, it's one guy deadlifting with all 25s. I think he had a total of like 400 pounds there, all 25s though. He's a bull. He's strong. He's absolutely. a grunting for sure. Getting it going. He could have been working on his pull off the floor. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. You know, trying to strengthen that. The initial yeah, I don't know. deadlift. I don't he looked do. like he was using a lot of back, not a lot of legs. The first time we went there, I mean, the first time we did one of these bro splits like on Friday of last week. You said, dude, I thought you were just watching people the entire time. I'm, it's just a new environment for me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you you look like you were like, you were concerned. You were overwhelmed <sighs> by the activities going on around us. I just haven't seen it in so long because we've been doing <laughs> CrossFit. It's just very unique and interesting. And you, I try not to judge too much, man, because people are in there doing their thing. But it's crazy. We talked about it in the car ride home this morning, like, the misinformation about what you should be doing in the gym is crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. You see so many people in there doing stuff that is not benefiting them in any way, shape, or form. And I think people over make it overly complex, to be honest with you. It's like, yeah, you should increase the weight over time, but you know, in terms of like getting stronger and looking better when you're at the gym like you don't need as much weight as you think you know like it's just hilarious to see that i'm probably lifting maybe lighter weight than i used to do when i was in high school today and i would say i'm stronger but it's just like a completely different mindset when i'm in the gym yeah a lot of people forget like half of they just neglect half of the every single rep yeah they they, uh they do by not focusing on the the move the negative or aspect of it Right, you you actually tear more muscle and make more of an impact on the negative than you really? do on I the positive push. Yeah, yeah. That's why if you've ever done a lot of hills or done anything like running wise, yeah, you don't get sore from running up the hill. You get sore from running down the hill. Oh, I didn't actually. know that either. Yeah, really. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, a little interesting. Uh, I mean, dude, it's, there. it's plus cl- you can overload weight way more if you're doing a negative too. Oh, that's a good right? point. Yeah. So that's another thing you can, you can lift more. I mean, dude, for me, it's like whatever gets people out of bed. If they're in there at yeah. 5am crushing it or they're there at Friday, 6pm lifting, like good for them. It's just, for me, it's just an interesting thing to kind of observe as my knowledge base has grown in fitness. Like it's interesting to observe what people do. You know, because they could get better results doing something maybe slightly differently. Or... Yeah, I mean, it's a shame they're there at 5 in the morning and they're not necessarily doing anything. Right, that's, that's a good point. That's benefiting. I mean, but they're moving the needle, dude. <laughs> but yeah, they are. They're getting in the gym, so that's the first step. But yeah, 
nonetheless. Maybe they could do it in a more efficient way. Dude, I, I'm going to say, though. I'm, I'm not that kind of person, though. Have you ever seen – has anyone ever come up to you and, like, suggested anything to you at the gym before? Probably when I was younger, yeah. I would say that. I yeah. mean, I used to do that not frequently, but if it was someone that looked like they would be open to advice, I've, I've given them an advice on how to do a movement. Not yeah. that I'm an expert by any means, but, you know, if just from an objective perspective it looks like I might know a little bit more, I'll offer people advice. Yeah. I don't know. I've had people come up to me every once in a while. And what, like, in a nice way? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in a nice way, but uh, I hate when people, like... Really? I don't think that's necessarily the place to... I guess maybe uh, I I'm just not. Maybe I'm just not open to advice in that environment. Yeah, I mean, and usually it's like the few times that I'm talking about, it was like some old dude that was not, not in necessarily shape. in shape and not necessarily doing. He could have just been looking for a conversation. I think that's what he was looking yeah. for a conversation, and I was doing it. I was in the middle of my workout, like, bro. Oh, no, man. Yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting. I don't foresee myself doing it for the long term, but just while we're doing this Iron Man stuff, it's nice to get yeah, up. Yeah, nice to switch it up. Yeah, exactly. Nice to switch it up. The one thing I was going to say before we get into the topic, which is going to be finance specific, something I guess we mentioned we were going to touch on, but again, here we are 35 episodes later, opening up for the first time, or maybe 34 episodes, I forget which one we're on. But dude, I never thought we'd be recording these at like early AM. Never thought that was going to happen. Yeah, me either. <laughs> It's just weird, like, because for me, I thought no matter when we recorded it, we would always be on, but as we've seen, like, when we recorded on Sunday, we tried to do another podcast, and I just didn't fucking feel it at all. Yeah, sometimes you don't feel the topic. At all. <laughs> yeah, we we, have, we actually have a lot of misses. We do. I mean, I, would, happens. I would say probably about 80% of the episodes we actually record, we distribute, you know, I would say there's 20% there that we either re-recorded or just haven't published, just given, I don't know, how, not really anything from an information perspective, but I just don't think, like, the content was, would be enjoyable for the audience. Yeah, to, usually halfway through, you can kind of feel whether this is, it's, if it, it's interesting. It's tangible or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you can only imagine what those would sound like if we put them out. I mean. I remember come walking away from a few of those and being like, I don't ever want to hear that. <laughs> but to the flip side, we've yeah. had some of those instances where we're like, this is shit when we first record it, and then we listen to it again, and it's good. So, yeah. I mean, again, it's just all about reps for us, but we're trying to keep the content good, and I think this is an interesting topic to kind of dive into. Not saying that we're in any way, shape, or form experts. I would say you're more of an expert on this than I am. Um, but, you know, we live in the finance industry. It's no secret, so I think it'll be a cool conversation to kind of open up and, you know discuss yeah i agree i think it's one of those things that is you know on the top five lists of people's most important things to them is i would say on top of you know religion and uh relationships and f fitness health yeah i mean finance has got to be on that on that list yeah in that level a hundred percent i mean personally speaking i don't really I've never gotten in the mindset, dude, of being like, I need to make a million dollars. That's never really been something like somewhere mentally I've been where it's like one of my, you know, it's not my top priority, right? But mm -hmm. the reality is like money does ultimately elevate your life in certain experiences. Like 
you can do more things with more money. If you want to be charitable, you can donate more money to more people, right? Like it's a vehicle, dude. And I, I really do see it as a valuable one. So it's going to be interesting to kind of unpack here. What is like, like as a first question, what is kind of your philosophy or how do you think about money? It's a very general question, but like, do you have any stereotypes off the bat when you think about like saving money, investing that you, that you're kind of consciously aware of? Yeah. I mean, money is just a means to help you accomplish your goals. Yep. Right. So that's how I think about money. Um, in the sense of that, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm not a hoarder of money. I don't think I need to like hoard, (laughs) I guess you could say like money's meant to be spent. Although it should be spent in a great point, in a uh, thoughtful way, mm-hmm. you shouldn't just go willy nilly on everything and start buying Rolexes and stuff. I mean, if you can afford to, then and that's your thing, then go for it. But yeah, but yeah it, it's meant to be. It's meant to be spent. At the end of the day, I, I feel like sometimes people can get in the mindset, and I know a lot of people that grew up with parents that were born in the Great Depression era tend to have this nickel and dime and penny uh, very conscious way about their money, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it can give them a massive amount of anxiety to spend it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I some people experience that more than others. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, everyone at the end, everyone's going to die. That's a great point. And, you know, what's the point of hoarding all this money if at the end of the day you're gonna die yeah Obviously, there's some goals that people have like leaving a legacy to their kids and grandkids mm-hmm. and and things along those lines but uh you shouldn't sacrifice your happiness in in the time that you're living and i would say bro i fundamentally agree with that i mean i think you you basically hit on kind of the narrative in terms of the financial situation kind of my mom and you know someone who talks to me about finances grew up in so she is more of that frugal mentality and i've told you this before but for her it's like make sure you're saving enough money in your ira make sure you're saving enough money in your 401k like always be saving and i think that's a smart mentality but for me right now in my life like at, at my age it's a priority, but I would say like my most important priority is like investing in myself with the money I have, you know? So again, I definitely have savings, but for me financially, it's more about like investing in the Ironman or investing in this podcast or even investing in my friends, man, like sending them gifts, things like that. Again, I'm not going out to buy a Rolls Royce or I'm not going out to buy that Rolex, but for me, like money is a way to enhance my life experience. And eventually you know, I do want to have money to quote unquote retire, but I don't see my life as maybe some of those people do where they worked for 40 years, saved a bunch of money the entire time to just retire on a beach at 65. That's just not really how I foresee my life experience going per se. Right, right. But you're not neglecting the fact that you're, you have to save for retirement. I mean, you are still actively participating in your company's retirement plan. Mm -hmm which happens to be a 401k plan. Right. Right. So you're still contributing and saving along those lines. And what, let's just unpack what does contributing mean? Like I maybe just help people out. Like if your company has a 401k plan, what should you be looking to do from like maybe an investment standpoint, but just 
a general knowledge about what that can do for you? Well, it depends uh, if that's going to be <laughs> the caveat to every single answer. Yeah. It depends on what your situation is. But just for context, a 401k plan is a, is a defined contribution plan. Okay. Um, that's the type of plan it is. So back in you know the mid-1900s and you know, moving forward, there were pensions, which are defined benefit plans. So okay. if you worked at a company for a certain period of time – you would be invested automatically invested in a pension, uh-huh. and a pension is is a big pool of of workers uh-huh. at a at a company, and so everyone shares the risk, just like uh, in in insurance when you have pooled insurance. Okay. Uh, so everyone's on the hook for the risk there, and then when you retire at sixty five, let's say in this example, you get paid a certain amount per month based on the earnings that you had over your time at said company. Got it. Now, the there was a shift in the industry that shifted the risk, uh, the pooled risk into individual risk. So yeah. now everyone has the individual responsibility for deferring a certain percentage of their salary to a retirement plan if they do choose to do that. I got it. So in a 401k plan, what you can do is you can select a certain percentage of your salary to uh-huh. defer that will be taken off of your pre-tax income yep. and goes into your 401k account. Got it. So, you know, benefits of that is you're you're minimizing your your taxable income because this is this is a contribution before tax. Right. So that's the benefit there. You're getting a little bit of a tax break up front. You can lower your your taxable income and and pay less taxes and and also simultaneously save for retirement. Right. Which which is awesome, right? There's two benefits there for Double sure. whammy. The caveat like you said is with 401k plans you can't take qualify you can't take distributions out of that 401k plan there are small little qualified distributions that you can take which is in the you know the fine detail a little but nuance little yeah. nuance but yeah until you reach retirement age or you know 59 and a half right so and a lot of companies right for these 401k plans let's call them right they will match a certain amount of money that you put in there on a paycheck basis right so typically they match three percent and then a half a percent on for to four to five that's what our company does right so their total match if you put in five percent of your paycheck is four percent yeah the typical safe it's called the safe harbor match out there uh for 401k plans so it's the most common uh to for for employers to use it, it the safe harbor match allows them to not have to go through a bunch of additional hoops to jump through yeah so it just makes sense for most companies to do that it's usually a hundred percent on the first three, yeah, and then fifty percent on the next two. You said that way more articulately than me, but what I hear there, because again, I'm a simpleton. I'm not as intelligent as you. Um, that's free money. That's free money. Yeah, me. yeah. So you're if you in in an example in this example, if your company is matching three percent, a hundred percent on the first three percent, if you contribute three percent of your salary you decide to defer that yeah then your company is also going to contribute three percent so you're getting six percent of your salary into that retirement account yep. yeah you're right it's it's, it's free, free money money another way to look at it is it's a it, additional compensation to 100 percent. 
And I think that's important. I but mean, it's not treated as that. So you won't be taxed on that on that additional I money. I think that taxes you for people might be a little bit hard to kind of conceive, but I yeah. totally agree with you. Um, that's I'm certainly doing that personally speaking. Is there I'm trying to think is there any way to simplify that for people? I think that's pretty well understood. Would you agree with that? That people understand what their four oh one K can do or provide them? Or do you think there's other nuances that are worth discussing? Yeah, I mean, with 401ks, you're not paying tax up front mm-hmm. on your contributions. So at the when you do retire and you do to de- decide to pull from that account, yeah. you will have to pay income tax on those assets and the, when they're returned to you. And the idea is maybe that you'll be at a lower tax bracket, right, when you start pulling those monies. Hypothetically, yeah. And so, again, I think this is all – really good information, bro. But this is what I struggle with when I have the conversation with my mom about savings. Not that I'm not doing the 401k stuff, but there is other accounts you can use, right? Like an IRA is where you can put additional savings in. Like I really struggle with the fact of investing money for 40 years down the line when I can pull it out, right? Like that's a real struggle for me. Again, being the fact that I want to be present in the life I'm living and have that money to invest in the shit I want to do now. Like that's the struggle for me. Yeah, I, and realistically, it's a balance, right? Yeah. It, it's not saving every penny that you that you earn above your expenses. It's not hoarding that all away and investing it. It's a balance between the two. It's figuring out what you want to allocate to spend and and use for your personal goals, ambitions, starting a business. Yeah, a- any goals that you have. And then figuring out what portion you do want to save. That's mm. a little bit more realistic to Is you. The, Be- go ahead. Because, yeah, it's hard to imagine the benefit of saving, you know, a, a somewhat seemingly maybe small amount for 40 years down the line. Mm-hmm. As, you know, trying to figure out like, okay, this is so far down the line. It doesn't even – I feel like it doesn't even make sense. Right. Right? But – when you look at the compounding of growth mm-hmm. and the impact that that has, it does make a huge difference. So quick little example is let's say Colton is – you're about to turn 25. So we'll call you 25. Okay. So you start saving at 25, 5000 each year mm-hmm. from 25 to age 34. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's assume an interest rate or a rate of return at 8%. Okay. Right? So close to being invested in U.S. stocks. Yep. And then let's take a Colton who waits till 35, let's say. Yep. And then starts saving that $5,000 a year till 65. So 30 years versus 10 10 years. Yep. If you look at the results of that hypothetical and same rate of return in both scenarios. Yeah. At 65, Colton, who started saving at 25 to 34, is going to have $728,000 roughly Yep. after all that time. Yep. And Colton at 35 to 65 is only going to have $566,000. That's crazy. So the compounding of returns really does make a huge difference, even if you look in the context of saving from 25 versus 35 you're earning like, money on your money bro you, money on your money exactly so the more years you do that mm-hmm. 
the compounding effect is even greater. And that's something people should certainly be aware of. Like, I mean, I know I know an app that's gained huge traction in the financial service industry is Acorn, right? Like, yeah. there's things out there that really illustrate that. And I think that's where this conversation might be helpful for people is just to have some more financial literacy. You know, it's not something that's talked about very frequently. You don't learn about it very frequently. I think companies are starting to try and educate people. But again, I think it is, it's tough for some people to comprehend. It's hard to do. It's it's not easy if you don't have a system around it. So I guess that's, that would be a suggestion for me is create a system around your mm. savings. Figure out what percentage from each paycheck you can save realistically and then have that automatically taken out of your of your uh, main bank account that you get your direct deposit in mm-hmm. and put in a different account. Do you have a – is there a general like rule of thumb in terms of like percentage? I've heard some numbers thrown around. I think what was – What's that? Um, what's that book we read? It's like that short kind of PDF on money. Uh, the richest man in Babylon. Richest man in Babylon. Yeah, that that says one tenth. Yeah, so ten percent. You can't put a number on it because okay. it depend. It really does depend on, on your situation, your situation, your goals, right? Your your need at retirement right. is going to be different. That's going to be different for every single different person. Like some people in retirement are going to want to travel for 20 years and have a bucket list. Let's talk to the 24-year-old that is like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do from retirement. Like be, let's tangible. Like for someone yeah. who's young, let's get off the retirement thing. Let's talk about tangible goals today for someone who's like 24, 25, 26. Like I think a better way to look at what they could save would be based on what for sure payments they have. When I say for sure payments, I mean they got maybe a house expense. I don't know. Maybe they're living at home. You typically have student loans and you typically have maybe a car payment, food. Again, like look at those things that are non-negotiables, right? You have to pay for that. And then, okay, what are some experience expenses you want to have? And then after that, what can you save? Again. Yeah. See, I would flip those. What? Is like, I would say look at your expenses and then look at the money that you have left after that and then figure out what a realistic amount for you to save each month out of that would be. And then after that experience expenses, experience, experience, whatever. You're right. And it's not, it's, it's not rocket science, right? If you realize you're saving. Yeah, exactly. You're, you realize you're maybe leaving too little to yourself for those experiences, then adjust that number. Mm, great point. So the ball's always moving. Right. But yeah, like if if we're looking at someone who's 24 and wants to save for a house, I, I would take the same principle, right? Great point. Yep. Same idea. Figure out what's a realistic amount for you to save each each month and start saving that. 100%. Because as it says in The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a fantastic book, I, it's you can even get it offline. Um, it's like a hundred pages. I don't even, it's not long at all, but pay yourself first, dude. Yeah. Pay yourself first. That's a part it so many times before. Yeah. And it's such a simple concept, but no, not a lot of people do it. Mm. So yeah. And another caveat to that is they say, you know, the one, the one tenth is an important piece to save, but also make sure you're investing that. Right. Right. And in, in the richest man in Babylon, they invest in like Real, I believe it's real estate. Real estate, yeah. Things along those lines. But yeah, I mean, make sure you're you're investing it. Right now, interest rates are at all-time lows. Mm-hmm. If you're just sitting in a, 
a checking account at a larger institution, then you're probably not really earning any interest on that. So at the very least, there's a lot of online banks out there that have high yield interest savings accounts that you you could look up and pretty are pretty easy to set up. A hundred percent. And I think the important thing is uh, about this conversation, Kev, is if people are like, oh, I don't know what they just mentioned, or I'm not sure what they're even talking about, I'm confused, research it and maybe talk to someone about it, right? You're in the industry of providing financial advice to people that need it, right? There's people out there that can help with these conversations. Yeah, it's it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about because seemingly everyone's supposed to know about finance and understand it, but no one's ever really taught it. So I would say it's it's never – you never judge anybody who comes in no. because you never know where they're going to be at. And it's a super uncomfortable conversation to have because, because of those presumptions, right? People are supposed to know inherently what to do. You're not supposed to know what, what's going on, right? Like you know what to do with your money, but most people don't. And right. it's okay to ask for advice around that. Dude, you go to a doctor for a checkup, bro. You got to do the same thing with your finances. You go to a nutritionist to help with your nutrition. You got to go to someone to help you understand these aspects of your life because it is very, very complicated to be honest with you. I think we are of the fortunate minority that because we live in the industry, we at least have some literacy around it. But again, I definitely could know more. That's why I ask you questions, dude. Yeah, there's a lot of decisions to be made and there's a lot of options out there, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no harm in getting somebody who is educated on those options to help you out. Agreed. So Yeah. So I know when we recorded this previously, we wanted I think credit cards are an interesting topic. Yeah. Do you want to dive into that? I know you had some experiences. Well, I think it's a common slip up of many young young people going mm-hmm. into the workforce who maybe aren't educated on credit cards. Yep. The, they tend to make some mistakes and I I made one uh frankly when I started working. You you're making a ton of money, right? So, you know, extraneous expenses that come up like car repairs and mm-hmm. and things along those lines. They cost a lot of money, so yep. why not put them on a credit card? Mm-hmm. But what people don't realize is because you're young, because you probably don't have a long credit history, that interest rate could be pretty high. Yep. Uh, now, some people have built up credit or their parents opened credit cards for them and were able to build that credit up over time. And maybe they have a, a lower interest rate, but you're still getting interest charged on the money that you're using on the credit card. Correct. So you're every month interest is accruing, uh-huh. which means you're paying more on top of the money that you're paying. Mm-hmm. And if you just pay the minimum payment on your credit card, it's not going to go down as quickly as you think. Mm -hmm. Those minimum payments are a little bit of a... Nuance? Yeah, a little bit of a nuance, right? Most institutions, the minimum payment is meant to kind of stretch it out pretty, pretty long. Yeah. And the reason for that is obviously the credit card company makes more money. Mm Mm-hmm. More interest, more time, more payments. So I believe nowadays on statements, you can see the amount of payments or how long it will take you to pay off if you just pay the minimum payment. But that's the first misconception is if 
if you pay the minimum payment, for example, let's say I have five thousand out on a credit card and I the minimum payment's two hundred dollars. Yeah. That it's gonna take what? Uh Give me the math. Give me the math. Me ten, the... ten months to pay off. Is no, that no, right? No, 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 not even close. Five thousand divided no, by two hundred. No, not even close. It's twenty-five months. Twenty-five months. Twenty-five months to pay off. Shout out calculators. Shout out to calculators. Twenty-five months to pay off. That's not the reality of the situation because interest is accruing right. that whole time. Great so point. it's going to take longer than mm-hmm. that. So that's the first common misconception. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're if you're going to use a credit card, make sure you have a plan above the minimum payment to pay it off. Got it. Ideally, you don't want to use a credit card. Uh-huh. First step would be building up an emergency savings account. Okay. So that could be, uh, for people, it's usually anywhere between three and 12 months of, of expenses. So God forbid depend- you get fired. Yeah, depending on your job, yeah. depending on the turnover that you have in your in your job or the fluctuations in income, salespeople tech usually have higher fluctuations. Than most, that's going to determine how much you probably want to keep in expenses. So, God forbid, something happens to your job, right? Your primary source of income is now cut. You have money to pay what we just talked about, right? If you have a house, if you have student loans, if you have these other payments, you got to buy food, right? That you can pay for that with this emergency savings and not go to your credit card. Yeah. Got yeah, it. absolutely. And the whole point there is to avoid paying interest on that. Yep. Right? You Great don't want to, you don't want to compound the problem but what i would say dude is you said don't use your credit card have your emergency savings i would say hey listen for a young person this is my personal belief i don't know if it's right or wrong but i actually use a credit card for literally every purchase i make oh well you said in the context of emergencies i'm saying large like larger expenses or just in the sense of just having your credit card as a your backup plan oh, for if you not, get no fired. Way, no. Yeah, that's that's not a way to look at it. Agreed. But yeah, like you said, I think and you can explain further how you use your credit card. Yeah. But you, you want to use your credit card because you build credit and you build up a better credit score, which is going to help you uh, get a better interest rate on your mortgage mm-hmm. and, and other things that you know, you're going to go to. And, it makes and you look like a more attractive individual for banks to lend money to. Yeah, absolutely. That's the longer your payment history and the more uh, history you have on those payments, yep. the better it's going to look. So, uh, and just as long as you're making the payments, as long as you're making the payments, yeah. But for me personally, dude, um, I opened a credit card right when I got out of college, and again, there's other there's credit cards out there based on like what your spending habits are. For me personally, most of my money that's not student loans or housing expenses or car loans pertains to gas and groceries, right? So I got a credit card that gives me a certain amount of money or a certain amount of points on that. And I use that credit card pretty religiously, but I pay it off literally before I leave Wegman Shopping Center because they fucking get me every time, dude. <laughs> I always walk out of there. I'm like, I'm going to spend under $100. Nope. Nope, 300 <laughs> But like, it's, dude, I mean, I need to eat food. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it, though. You're looking at more of your, more so your fixed expenses, right? Your gas and your food yep. it typically isn't going to vary a lot mm-hmm. during the month. So it's a consistent amount that you're prepared for. I would hope so that you can put it on a card and pay it off at the end of the month and right. not have to worry about interest accruing there on never. On and I mean, the other nice thing about credit cards is you typically earn points or some sort of stuff. Right. So I had like 600 points at the end of the year. I bought 
a ridiculous amount of books. Yeah. All you, with those points. You splurged so. on some books. Yeah. <laughs> um, nerd. I am a nerd, dude. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think credit cards are a really useful tool. And the reason I think we it's nice to talk about them is they can look, they can be scary to people. I know people that have only had a debit card their entire life and that's great. But the reality is there's benefits to a credit card. Yeah. If you only have a debit card your whole life and you're not building any credit, it's going to be hard if you do want to buy a house someday mm-hmm. or you do want to do some things that require, uh, you know, companies or banks to look into your credit history yep. and you don't really have one. It's important. It's important. It's an important thing to, to do and to build. So, yeah, with credit cards, you got to figure out what's comfortable for you. If you can't handle credit cards, then use them in a very limited capacity. If you don't have a problem, then you don't have a problem. Yeah. Just make sure you're, you have a process behind them and you're not using them. To buy Rolexes. <laughs> Don't buy Rolexes. I mean, I got if, unless you can afford it. Yeah. But uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on, and maybe we're jumping around a bit, but I think it's interesting, dude. I got in this mindset of savings, right? We kind of touched on this before we got into the credit card situation. Yeah. But I wanted to hop back to it. I don't know. Like with the generation of, of my parents – like I, I was always just ingrained, at least for the first couple of years out of college, to save every penny, right? Like save at the margin. Buy coffee versus going to like Starbucks every day. Or and I do that or not Starbucks but Dunkin'. But I started realizing that like that totally didn't enhance my life at all. Like it honestly just made me more frustrated. Like trying to spend two hundred dollars at Wegmans versus three hundred, right? Get like stuff that's on sale. I didn't really find that adding any value to my life. And I think a lot of people talk about savings at the margin in that aspect. You know what I'm saying? They're talking about saving pennies and nickels. Yeah, that's the classic example is the coffee. How much are you spending on coffee? Exactly. And, and to to a certain extent, I agree with you. I mean, if, if you're spending $8 at Starbucks every day, obviously that's something that's going to impact you maybe a little bit more if, than you're, if you're spending $2. Right. But I would say look at your fixed expenses and see how you can reduce those because those are the ones that make up a majority of your monthly expense. Yeah, like what's going to move the needle the most is the biggest things on your balance sheet that yeah. you have that you're on the hook for. So, you know, your student loans, your your rent payments. So your- student loan, something you can think about is maybe trying now that you've built credit for the last two years, trying to get a lower interest rate. I don't I, I have a certain loan, but. Yeah, it depends on in, on depends, certain but. on certain people's uh, you know, where they're at with things and with with their student loans. But yeah, you can explore with federal loans different repayment options. A hundred percent income re uh, income driven repayment options as well. So there's a diverse amount of options, and usually you can reach out to your loan provider, and they can educate you on the different options that you have to pay those back. A hundred percent. So absolutely. That's a, that's one step you could take mm-hmm. if your expenses are a little too high. Exactly, and that's just and that's a personal philosophy. I, I mean, I can get behind and understand why people say cut costs at the margins, but for me right now, dude, like I do want the aspect of saving money or anything pertaining to money to kind of enhance my life, and like that restriction honestly was just a pain in the ass. So I'm not of that belief candidly but i know some people are it's just an interesting thought like they're like you know i'm gonna save i'm gonna make sure i don't spend over 150 dollars at the grocery store because that's my budget and 
I could get behind that, but for me, I just didn't really see it working out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's good to be aware. Just be aware of what you're buying mm-hmm. and the pricing. But if you're going in there and yeah, just being real anal about it, I don't think that's necessarily the most healthy. But thing. some people are taught that, bro. That's yeah. what they're taught. That's the best way to save. Yeah, and it does make. I mean, if you look at it hypothetically, like if they are saving a hundred dollars and they're sitting and they're putting that money away, that is going to make a difference at the end of the day. No doubt. Like per you month. talked about the compounding. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Like that's additional twelve hundred dollars a year they're saving. Yep. So, so yeah, I I, I do see your point though. You look at, when we look at coffee, the two dollars in the convenience and the saving of your time and effort is worth the two dollars to you a hundred percent so if that's the case then it's worth it and actually that's how i'm looking dude more at like what i spend money on very interesting is like how does it save me from a time perspective realistically like i really look as my time as more valuable than my money right now isn't that interesting like i think about that pretty heavily yeah i mean time is more i would say more important than as a general rule, like you will have a finite amount of time. Great point. I, I mean, didn't think about why I do that, but plenty instance, of money out there. <laughs> and that comes back to like a fundamental belief I have is like, if someone was like, yo, go mow. I told you about this story. Hilarious. I watched my mom's house for a weekend and she asked me to mow the lawn. Four hours later, I was finished mowing the lawn and then I raked the leaves. People are like, this kid is such a bitch. But the reality is dude, <laughs> My four to five hours on a Saturday to me are more valuable than paying someone $200 to do that. Like that's just how I kind of look at money at this stage of my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's harder to make a tangible example because you're not going to be necessarily making the money during those hours that you're mowing the lawn on the weekend. But maybe if we're looking at it if you look at it like that and you take the hourly amount that you're making at work that's what I'm and saying. then you extrapolate it over to the four hours that you're yeah i mean that's how much your how much of your time is worth there yeah so, yeah you're right because some people have the belief i mean and also that. somebody who you pay to do it is probably not going to take four hours to mow the freaking lawn dude and this you, gets back you were, to you were you're doing donuts out there or what <laughs> Dude, the mower was like stalling. I was out there looking like a wreck. But, it, dude, it goes back to like uh, – for me, I want to specialize in one thing and make money doing that specialized activity. And other things that are outside my peer view, I'm going to pay someone to do it. That's kind of – like even we talked about that light fixture story with Dave. Yeah. If you give that example to me again, uh, 120% I'm paying some dude 150 bucks. come out here and do it. Well, yeah, that's it's funny. Somebody, some people have the idea of like I'm gonna spend all weekend changing my brakes, right? But then, like, is it worth that amount of your time to do that, or could you just pay somebody to do that? That's exactly how like, I think. Dude. Yeah, yeah, and it, I I don't think that's a wrong way to think. It, it's just it's funny how people have different perspectives. You're right. Some people do believe that. And I, I candidly, if we, if we listen, remember back to Dave's podcast, that was something that 
other generations did, dude. Like, right. they thought it was their personal yeah. responsibility and, like, that was the best thing for them to do was save money by mowing the lawn or changing the brakes like that i i think that is something that is more ingrained in older generations what do you what do you think is different about our generation that is uh makes us a little bit different than that do you think we're just less capable of being handy i would say for we're sure, definitely not handy <laughs> I, I am less capable for sure of being handy but i think we realize how valuable our time is man i think we really value like the experience of life as like cliche or above the shoulders as that seems i think we just really value our time and what we can do with it and if we don't find certain areas of our life to be something that we see as a rewarding experience we're gonna pay someone else to do it i think that's smart though in my opinion yeah i don't i don't think it's the wrong way of looking at it at all i think it in a in if you explain in that in that sense yeah it's smart but somebody else could look at that and be like, you're wasting money. Dude, you I know? mean, my parents <laughs> go, change the light on your car. Tooks me, takes me three hours. I'm injured. I'm like, no shot am I ever spending three hours changing a light. And people are probably thinking, this kid literally couldn't hammer a nail. And you're right. I couldn't hammer a nail. I'm fine <laughs> with admitting that. Like, God, do I not want to change the light on my car ever again, paying someone. But that's just the way I think about it. Yeah. I agree. Car, cars for me are something I just stay away from. There, there are things that I'll, I'll do myself or I'll try to do myself. But yeah, there are certain areas where if it's outside of my outside of my capacity, I'm like, all right, we got to bring somebody in for this. That's smart, dude. That's smart of you. Yeah. And I mean, I'm trying to think. There's nothing really I'm thinking about in terms of savings. But I, dude, for me, it's like money is this thing to enhance life. And again, I want to invest in the things that are important to me now. It's very tough to, I, I think most people probably feel this way. It's tough for them to think about saving money, you know, for when they retire at 65. Yeah, it's tough to tangible, uh, like, tangibly think about what that's going to do for you yeah. unless you look at an example like we talked about. I mean, Go you, look up you, a compound interest calculator on. Yeah, you could look up a calculator on Google yep. and based on saving at a monthly rate of XYZ, I'm sure it'll tell you at a certain rate or assumed earnings rate yeah. how much you will have in a certain period of time. Because, I mean, if, if you look at the example that we talked about, 25 versus 35, you're, the 25-year-old Colton is only saving $50,000 over that amount of time. Yeah. But at the end of the day, at 65, he's going to be having – he's going to have close to $730,000. $250,000 swing. Versus $150,000 for older Colton yeah. as he saves from 35 to 65. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean – And then not – not yeah. Why isn't this talked about? I'm interested. Like – because again, we went pretty broad stroke here, but why aren't why are finances? This is actually interesting. I'm, I would be curious to know your your viewpoint on it. Why are finances something people are scared to talk about? Like, if someone asks me my salary, totally cool to tell them. Like, why are why is money such a cliche topic to talk about? I don't really. It's a get status it. symbol. I feel like people are uncomfortable if they don't make a certain amount of money, then they'll they'll be looked down upon. Uh. Right. It, some people some people do have that view. Like if you don't make a certain amount of money, then you're not interested. You can't be friends with me. <laughs> like mean girls. But yeah, it's a societal thing 
you know, you think of the societal like six figures, making six figures. Yeah. Uh, that's a very societal norm that's looked at as, okay, you've crossed that barrier. Mm-hmm. But does that really mean? I mean, it doesn't really necessarily mean anything. No. I mean, if you look at the funny thing, like you look at the marginal benefit of money in terms of happiness. Yeah. There's been a lot of studies done around this, and it's usually somewhere in between, like, I want to say 75 and 85 is the amount. And maybe this changed because of inflation, but there hasn't been much inflation over the past few years. All these terms, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that that was stupid to use that. No. We're inflation not- is just the effect of prices rising over time. There Right, work, happened. Bro. It's it, historically it's anywhere from two to three percent a year. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, for example, milk prices, they rise. Maybe that's a bad example because that's something that's like got a floor. What about ceiling. goat milk? Goat milk prices. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you look at it last year. You know, it's going to be two percent less. So yeah, but that's where you start to see the marginal benefit of each dollar not necessarily increasing happiness. Happiness, yeah. Right. Yeah, so there's that point. sweet spot right there. So not even at a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm pretty sure some studies have shown that over a certain amount of money, your happiness actually starts to decrease. So that's why when we talk about all these questions like savings or like what you should be doing, a lot of it depends. I mean, to your point, like I mean I would assume most people want more money when they retire. That's what I would assume. But Again, it does depend on like how happy you want to be today. I'm not saying you have to cut out happiness in order to save more, but I mean, money facilitates a lot of things. Yeah, it's a give and take, right? Yeah. So what do you want to do in retirement? Do you want to travel the world for 20 years or do you just want to go down the street and see your family and be close to them? Yeah. Those are two hugely different goals. To, and spending habits. And spending habits for people. So, but I'm going to hammer you on this question. I don't think you answered it directly enough for me, or at least to my liking. Why, why can't we talk about like how much money people make? Like, I'm just, I still don't know if I have a good grasp on why that is. Is it because it's so personal? Do you think it's really about how much people make or how they handle their finances? Could be both. It, it really could be. Again, I don't know. And candidly, I mean, we say we have pretty open discussions. I mean, we generally know what each other make, but it's not, I don't know. We don't talk about it super frequently. I'm just wondering why. Money's interesting for yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, does it matter? That's a great point. You're right. It. To, I was just going to say, I don't think we really talk about it a lot because to us, it's not like a huge priority in our life. Yeah, because I mean, I don't really care how much somebody makes. Mm. It's more along the lines of like, what are you doing with it? Good point. Because at the end of the day, that's yeah. what matters. I mean, you can make $200,000 and have $200,000 of expenses. And the person who makes $60,000 has their expenses at $40,000. So right then, that's you're interesting. looking at somebody hmm. who's technically more wealthy and saving more than somebody who's making you know, more than two and a half times as much. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic point. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something I thought about. Like it, it just—it's definitely an uncomfortable topic. Like you at work, you don't ask somebody else what their salary is. I'll tell people if they ask. Well, me. yeah, but it's no—it's one of those norms. It's like you don't really ask other people. And I think maybe I'm now unpacking this for myself as we talk about it. But I think maybe people would be more comfortable 
in I think people would maybe be more comfortable and have, feel like they have more control over this topic if it was discussed more. I think it's very similar to like, you know, topics that people are worried to talk about with their closest friends, bro. It's like, oh, you know, like weight loss or relationship struggle. I think it's very synonymous, bro. Like the more you talk about it, the more you get advice, the more you hear feedback, the better you're going to be at handling certain things. And I would argue money is really no different. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Sold. Sold. To Kevin Hart, that. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else? I was just that was my last little talking point I was thinking about. No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think I have anything else. But if people have any general questions, you can Google a lot of this. There's, I'm, I know there's some good YouTube videos out there on money. Um, but I mean, dude, there's always people that are willing to help. Like literally, you have a job because. That's what you help people with is their finances. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out. Are I can't you give specific advice unless you want to maybe cough up a couple dollars. Cough up a couple dollars, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm always open to answering questions just generally. Yeah. So I'm more than happy to help. Love that, Kevin. But what? yeah, come up, come up with a plan. You got, you got to have a plan with everything. With everything. Yep. So come up with a plan. And if you don't know something, be sure to reach out to someone who does. Because you shouldn't be scared to ask questions. No, at all. If you're not in the finance industry and you you're not in the industry, so like Colton's point to Colton's point before, don't spend your time trying to figure all this stuff out. Mm. Go to somebody who already knows. Great point. Right. Fantastic point. That's all I got, dude. This was an early morning rip. I appreciate you getting up and doing this. I know you got a big day ahead.